appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every week at this same time. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, mature, truly furnished unto all good works. Notice the scriptures inspired of God. God told the writers like Peter, Paul, Moses, and David, the actual words to say, 1 Peter 2.13, to make sure they got it exactly right. Inerrant is what we call the Bible, without error. And that's because God told these writers the exact words to say. It says the scripture is profitable for doctrine. We talk about a lot of doctrine here on this program. Doctrinal differences. How do you decide a doctrinal difference? Is it by what we think is best, by what's politically correct, by what brings in the most people? Or does this verse say we decide it by scripture? Scripture is profitable for doctrine. The scripture is given so that the man of God may be perfect, complete, as I said, mature, truly furnished into all good works. The scripture will furnish us into everything that we need religiously. It teaches us all we need to know. It decides all religious questions. And that's why we're going to let the scripture decide tonight if there is any disagreement. And if you disagree with something I say, feel free to call in and disagree. Just do it in a kind and nice way. And I'll try to be nice back, kind back. Let's disagree in a kind and nice way, but call in if you disagree. And we'll discuss what the scriptures actually say about that. More than once on this program, a person has said something like this, that we're forgiven of sins, past, present, and future. Sometimes they'll even say it at the death of Christ. We're forgiven of our sins, past, present, and future at the death of Christ. But don't you notice this passage? 2 Peter 1.9 says, But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Not from his future sins, from his old sins. Here's how that verse, Second Peter 1, 9, reads in the NIV. But whosoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. That's what the scriptures teach. It never teaches you're forgiven for past, present, and especially future sins. Now, I know a lot of people say that. They even call this program and say that. And a lot of preachers may say that you're forgiven for future sins. But the Bible never says that. That's just something that somebody made up to sound good. Bible never says that. You know, if all sins were forgiven at the death of Christ, past, present, and future, then that would mean even atheists are going to be saved. Since, as we know, Jesus died for all. Let me prove that to you that Jesus died for all. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.6 says, Who, talking about Christ, Gave himself a ransom for all. Jesus gave himself a ransom for all, even the atheists. First Timothy 4.10, God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. So Jesus is even the Savior of those that don't believe. Well, that doesn't mean they're going to be saved. That just means that Jesus died for them. He gave a ransom for all. They can be saved. The atheist can be saved, but he's not saved because he doesn't trust and obey. But if all sins past, present, and future were forgiven at the death of Christ, even the atheist would be saved because Jesus died for them. Hebrews 2.9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower 
than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. The Calvinist insists that he didn't die for every man, but this verse says clearly that he was. Calvinists are dead wrong. They're dead wrong. They say Jesus only died for a limited number of people. It's called the limited atonement. But this says Jesus tasted death for every man. Who are you going to choose to believe? The Calvinist or God? First Peter, First John 2, 2 says, and he, talking about Christ, is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus died not only for the Christians, but everybody else, the atheist too. The difference is the atheist does not trust and obey. He didn't die for the he didn't, all sins weren't forgiven past, present, and future at the death of Christ because that would mean even the atheist, all of his sins were taken care of because Jesus died for him. That's not true. If sins, well, let me say this. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open. Give us a call at 877-655-6755. What I was going to say, if, if sins were forgiven at the time of the death of Christ, then why do these passages say they are forgiven when a sinner obeys the gospel? For example, Acts 2.38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If all sins were forgiven at the death of Christ, why is Peter telling these people to do something to get the forgiveness of their sins? That didn't make any sense. How about Peter's sermon in Acts 3, verse 19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Does that sound like their sins were blotted out, forgiven when Jesus died? Or does that sound like they were forgiven, their sins were blotted out based upon the death of Christ when they repented and were converted? Well, we know what it says. People will insist upon believing what they want to believe no matter what the scriptures say. Saul, Ananias told Paul in Acts 22, 16, And why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Were his sins washed away when he was baptized or several decades before when Jesus died? Well, it's clear. They weren't baptized. They weren't forgiven when Jesus died. They were forgiven when he was baptized, when he reacted to the death of Christ. Shelby from Alabama, go ahead with your question or comment, please. Uh, well, yes, I have two questions. Um, first of all, on on the past, future, and uh, present sins, do you think that what they're saying when they say that, because I've heard people say that too, are they saying that as a Christian, if you do sin, you can attain forgiveness? Like, you know, you become a Christian, but yet we're all human, we're going to sin, that you can gain forgiveness for the sin that you might commit after you're a Christian? Do you if think that's intended- what they're talking about? Well, if they're intending to say that, Shelby, they're saying the exact opposite of that. If See, what you're saying is when you're a Christian and you sin, you can be forgiven for that. That means you weren't already forgiven when Jesus died on the cross. That is, you can't obtain forgiveness, right? If I say you can obtain a car, that means you don't already have the car. So if you can obtain forgiveness, that means you don't already have forgiveness. I mean, what these people are saying is they... They receive forgiveness even before they're born. That doesn't make any sense. If they're all of our sins, past, present, and future, were forgiven at the death of Christ, that means all of our sins are forgiven even before we're born. So, Shelby, if they're trying to say that, they're, they're saying it in a way that's exact opposite of what they're trying to say. Because if you say you can obtain forgiveness as a Christian, 
That's and that's what I say. That means you didn't have forgiveness until he obtained it. Right, Shelby? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I follow you. you and then my the other question is this. Yes, I do. I do. Actually I really I truly do. But now my other question is, um, if the old testament if the old testament law is no longer in effect, does that mean that the Ten Commandments are no I've heard somebody say this, that the Ten Commandments are not in effect. And that's if, right. If we do away with let me read this to you. It's, it's right there, black and white, in the scriptures. Colossians 2, 14 says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So, Shelby, if this verse says Jesus blotted out these ordinances, took them out of the way, and nailed them to the cross, does that sound like we still have to keep them, or we don't have to keep them? Shall we? Well, I guess when you say I guess when you say ordinances, I guess I'm thinking about all of the the, the details yeah. of the law that yeah. he gave to right? the, the I, Jewish people. But but right. no, but, 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 but Shelby, go ahead and answer my question because I hadn't finished my point. Go ahead and answer my question. Whatever ordinances he's talking about here, does it sound like we have to keep them or we don't have to keep them? Well, it does sound like you don't have to keep them. Absolutely. So here's ver- here's verse 16 that tells us what ordinances he's talking about. He says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. So the Sabbath day, which is one of the Ten Commandments, in verse 16 is specifically mentioned as one of the ordinances that Jesus blotted out, took out of the way and nailed to the cross. So Shelby, that's right. We're not under the Ten Commandment law anymore. That was part of the law that was just for the Jews. Now, a lot of people will say, but Pat, if that's true, that would mean we can kill, steal, and commit adultery today. No. The New Testament, the law of Christ, says many times it's wrong to kill, steal, and commit adultery. So the Jews, they were under the Old Testament law. Us Gentiles were never under that law. It was wrong for the Jews to kill, steal, and commit adultery because the Ten Commandment law said for them. But the Ten Commandment law has been nailed to the cross, according to this verse. So why is it wrong for us to kill, steal, and commit adultery? Because the New Testament, Matthew through Revelation, the law of Christ says, don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. You see what I'm saying, Shelba? I do. I do. Shelby, but you, back but to you, your... But you're right. Then, then people will have that argument. They'll say, well, then why do I have to do this? Because you say, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, okay. you know, okay. there's, I've got somebody made up a list of all the commandments in the New Testament. There's over a thousand of them. And Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Guess what? There's over a thousand commandments in the New Testament. Over a thousand, including nine of the Ten Commandments. I... The only one of the Ten Commandments that's not in the New Testament is keeping the Sabbath holy. That's the only one we don't have to keep. The Sabbath was, of course, the seventh day of the week, Saturday. It's okay for us to work on Saturday these days. But back then, it was a sin to work on Saturday. And if you did, they stoned you. It's okay for us to work on the Sabbath on Saturday today because the Ten Commandments are no longer binding. Nine of them are still binding, not because they're in the Old Testament, but because the New Testament says, don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't covet. For example, honor your father and mother. Does that make sense, Shelba? It, sure, it does. It does. And I appreciate you talking. Thank you for your call, Shelba. No, you're welcome. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So when we talk, people say that all of our sins, past, present, and future, were forgiven at the death of Christ. I think they're confusing Jesus paying for all of our sins at his death and all our sins being forgiven at his death. Those are two different things. They're right that all the sins of the whole world, even before Christ lived and after Christ lived, all the way to the end of time, were paid for at the death of Christ. Here's Acts 20, verse 28. 
Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Jesus on the cross paid for everybody's sins. He paid for everybody's sins on the cross. But that doesn't mean they were forgiven at that time. Let me give you another verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. When were our sins paid for? At the death of Christ. But that doesn't mean we were forgiven then at the death of Christ. You still have to apply the blood of Christ. You still have to apply the blood of Christ, the death of Christ, you by trusting and obeying Christ. Jesus died, and we'll say 33, 34, 35 A.D. Nobody knows exactly when. But he says in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Well, we know from Luke 24, the parallel, that's talking about being saved from our sins. So we're not saved from our sins. We're not forgiven of our sins until we believe and are baptized. So I was baptized in, I believe I was baptized in 1981. That's like maybe 1950 years or so after Jesus died. He paid for my sins in maybe we'll call it, call it 35 AD. But I wasn't forgiven of my sins until I was baptized, believed, repented, and was baptized in 1981. You know, something like 1950 years, give or take five or ten years later, 1950 years later. But Jesus paid for Pat Donahue's sins in 33 or 35 AD. I wasn't forgiven for my sins based upon that payment until 1950 years later. Let me give you some Bible examples. Jesus died for David's sin in the first century, of course. He died in the first century. But David was forgiven long before that when he repented. David was forgiven for many hundreds of years before Jesus died. 2 Samuel 12, 13 says, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath also put away thy sin. That's what not surely died. God forgave David of his sin right there. When Nathan was talking to him in 2 Samuel 12, many hundreds of years before Jesus died. Now, Jesus paid for David's sins when he died, but Jesus was forgiven before. So you, even people in the Old Testament receive forgiveness based upon the death of Christ. They were forgiven before Jesus died. We're forgiven today based upon the death of Christ many years after Jesus died. So we're not forgiven when Jesus died. That's when he paid for our sins. Right? So... We're, he pays for our sins when he died, but we don't take advantage of that until we apply it to ourselves by obeying the gospel. Paul's sins were forgiven many years after Jesus died. Acts twenty-two sixteen, which we already read, Ananias told him, what you waiting on? That's how we'd say it in Alabama. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Paul's sins weren't washed away when Jesus died. They were washed away when he was baptized I don't know, two or three or four or five decades after Jesus died. See? Now, they were washed away by the blood of Christ, by the death of Christ, but they weren't washed away until Saul was baptized. So you have to obey the gospel to be forgiven. The payment for your sins took place at the death of Christ, but you weren't forgiven then. You were forgiven when you trusted and obeyed Christ, when you obeyed the gospel. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877 877- 655-6755. The lines are wide open. Give me a call. If you have a Bible question or comment, 877-655-6755. If future sins are forgiven when a person becomes a Christian, and I think that's really what people are saying, 
I think they're misspeaking when they say they were forgiven at the death of Christ. They're they're confusing that with the Jesus paying for our sins at the death of Christ. But they are saying, Shelba, they are saying, Shelba, that a, sins, a person's sins are forgiven future when they become a Christian, past, present, and future. And what they mean by that is once saved, always saved. That once you become a Christian, you can't lose your salvation. So they're saying when you become a Christian, all of your sins, past, present, or and future, that's the key difference here, are forgiven right when you become a Christian. If that were true, I guess once saved, always saved would be true. But the Bible never teaches, Shelba, that you're forgiven of your future sins when you become a Christian. If, they're, if you're forgiven of your future sins when you become a Christian, why do the following passages, passages say a Christian who sins needs to do something to be forgiven? Here's Simon the sorcerer. Became a Christian in Acts 8.13. You read that for yourself. He did exactly what Jesus said to do to become a Christian. He believed and was baptized, but then he sinned. Peter told him after he sinned, repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven me. Simon, who was a Christian, sinned after he became a Christian, and he needed to be forgiven. If he was forgiven of all of his future sins when he became a Christian, why, when he sinned after he became a Christian, did he need to be forgiven of that sin? According to this position, you're forgiven of future sins when you become a Christian. It would mean you don't need forgiveness. You've already got forgiveness when you became a Christian. If you sin after you're a Christian, you don't need to get forgiveness. You already got it back when you became a Christian. But Peter told Simon, after he sinned, after he became a Christian, you need to repent so you can be forgiven. So obviously, you're not forgiven of future sins when you become a Christian. Again, this is something, something somebody made up. There's nothing in the Bible that says you're forgiven of future sins when you become a Christian at the death of Christ or when you become a Christian. It's always talking about, as we read in that passage to begin with, 2 9, you're purged from your past sins. The sins you've already forgive, uh, committed. Not something you hadn't committed yet. Here's another passage written to Christians. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he, talking about God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, if as a Christian who sins, why would you need forgiveness? If you were forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future, when you became a Christian, that doesn't make any sense. The fact that he's telling Christians, and, and Shelba was right, Christians do sin. Hopefully they're going to, they repent and are baptized. Peter told believers in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So when you get baptized, you're forgiven for all your sins, past sins, but you got to repent first. You make a commitment to change your life. So hopefully, after you become a Christian, you're going to sin a whole lot less in, after you become a Christian than before you became a Christian. But nobody lives perfectly. No Christian lives perfectly. He's going to sin. And John says to be forgiven as a Christian, after you're a Christian, when you sin, you have to confess your sins. Peter told Ananias to repent to be forgiven. So you obviously weren't forgiven of your future sins when you became a Christian because here, a person after he became a Christian is told to repent, Acts 8, 22, told to confess to God his sins, 1 John 1, 9, in order to be forgiven for him, for those sins. He wouldn't need to be forgiven for those sins if he'd already been forgiven for all of his future sins when he became a Christian. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Lines are wide open. If you have a question or comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. Now, next point. Since repentance, as we've just seen, 
is necessary to being forgiven, how can one honestly repent of a sin before he commits it? Right? You know, you got to repent to be forgiven, but if you're forgiven before you ever commit a sin, when you become a Christian, that means you were forgiven. That means you'd have to repent before you even committed the sin. That doesn't make any sense. Isn't that like the Catholics selling indulgences a long time ago? That was, they would sell you the right to sin. You pay, give them a contribution and they would say, it's okay to commit adultery. The selling of indulgences. That's what actually caused Martin Luther to start the Reformation movement, as I understand it. To say, I'm forgiven for sins in the future. But then since the Bible says you got to repent of sins, of, of a sin to be forgiven for it, that would mean for both of those things to be true, you'd have to repent of a sin before you ever committed it. <laughs> That's the opposite of what repentance means. If you're sorry for a sin and you make up your mind you're not going to commit it anymore, that means if you repent, that means you're not going to commit it. You don't repent and then commit it. That's not repentance. And you got to repent to be forgiven. So obviously, you're not forgiven of all your sins in the future when you become a Christian. You're not forgiven until you repent later. Let me read some passages that teach us that repentance is necessary to being forgiven. Luke 13, 3, Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That means you're not going to be forgiven. You're going to perish if you don't repent. How about an Old Testament passage? Ezekiel 18, 21. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. In the Old Testament, if you're a person, if you're a wicked person, you want to be forgiven, you have to turn from your sin. Repentance is always required to being forgiven. So how could you be forgiven of all your future sins when you become a Christian? Because at that point, you hadn't committed the sin. It would have been impossible for you to repent of the sin. It's impossible to repent of a sin before you commit it. How can you be sorry you committed the sin before you commit it? Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Again, you got to repent to avoid perishing. you got to repent to be forgiven. How could you be forgiven? of all your future sins when you became a Christian. You couldn't have repented at that point. You hadn't committed the sin yet. You don't have anything to be sorry about. You don't have anything to turn from, Ezekiel 18, 21. So that's impossible. There's no verse that even thinks about teaching that a person is forgiven for future sins. Somebody made that up. Nothing in the Bible like that. Somebody made that up to try to prop up the false teaching of once saved, always saved. Let's, we started with 2 Peter 1, 9. Remember, 2 Peter 1, 9 in the NFV, NIV says that you have been cleansed from, people have been cleansed from their past sins. Let's read 2 Peter 1, 9 from some other translations. Here's the English Standard Version for 2 Peter 1, 9. It says, for whosoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Not sins past, present, and future He's cleansed from his former sins. That's what the Bible always teaches. You're forgiven of your past sins. Here's the CSB translation. I've just got these translations. They're right there on BibleStudyTools.com. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and hath forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Didn't say anything about cleansing from his future sins. It's always his past sins. Sins that he can repent of. Sins that he's committed 
so that he can now be sorry and make up his mind he's not going to commit them anymore. If you make up your mind you're not going to commit a sin in the future, then you won't commit it. You can't repent of a sin you hadn't committed yet. Here's the HCSB translation of 2 Peter 1.9. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. And then the net version. But concerning the one who lacks such things, he is blind. That is to say he is nearsighted since he has forgotten about the cleansing of his past sins. The Bible is always talking about being cleansed from his past sins. Of the 40 or so translations at BibleGateway.com, 27 of them have past sins. You're forgiven of your past sins, excluding future sins. The Bible never teaches you're forgiven of future sins. If you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience, 256-682-9753. Appreciate you listening tonight. Appreciate the good call that we had from Shelba. Be sure and listen next week at this same time.